Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. Find us at hypercleanstore.com or the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Let's get into it today. Let's talk a little bit about a conversation I had with an executive at Mannheim this week, a uh, contact I've had for a long time in the biggest auto auction in the United States. And some of the things that, that, that I heard from him are pretty telling. Number one, CarMax is reporting revenue is way down for them. I think it's, you know, 80 plus percent down year over year. Their, their prices are coming down. The market is crashing. Why is the market crashing in this conversation with this executive at Mannheim tells you why? Repos are massively up. Cars are now going to flood into the used car market. But here's the problem that they're having in the auction world now. So what's happening, and this happened in 2008, 9, 10 with houses until banks caught on. Banks don't want to take a massive loss when they're selling cars through auctions, especially when they're owed 30, 40, 50% over market value for a car. So think about the bank in this situation. I lent somebody $100,000 on a car. That's what they see. They don't want to admit to themselves just yet that they lent $100,000 on a $65,000 car. So the bank is going to have to be willing to take a $35,000 loss on that loan to sell the car at auction. So what this guy tells me is going on now is the car is getting sent to auction transported into auction, run through the auction at a reserve of $100,000. Wholesalers, car buyers, and those auctions know, hey, I can only sell this car for $65,000. So I need to get this car from fifty-five dollars to $58,000 out the door. They bid it to that price. The bank says, no way, we're not lowering the reserve. And the car is on a truck back to whatever storage facility, car lot, wherever it is. And now you have a problem. You have a stalemate here and, and it'll break. What'll happen is the first bank that makes the move and just goes ahead and takes all these losses is going to start a domino effect for all banks to lower their price in the auction market. And now you're going to see everything really start to tumble. I talked to a guy now who's buying a truck uh, I was talking to Marty about this early in the week, and I'll share it here. He's buying a truck, and he's trading in a truck. His truck has high mileage, a Chevy Silverado, very, very high mileage, very well taken care of, but needs a ton of work. He doesn't want to put the money in it, so he's going to go buy a truck. The guy who he's buying the truck from is actually the, the, the dealer is in Arizona. It's not here locally. So he's talking to the dealer, and the dealer tells him, Today, I can give you $9,000 for this trade-in of your really high mileage truck. If you wait a week, it could be eight grand. If you wait a day, it could be seven grand. We have no idea the market from minute to minute. Now, I want you to think about the instability in that. The instability in that really has never, ever, ever existed on a massive scale in the car market. This is why things are going to get so strange is the car market largely has been pretty stable, okay? We've had times of up and down, but we haven't had instability like this. And so now you ask yourself, who are the smartest dealers? 
Who are the smartest wholesalers? Who are the smartest banks? Who's going to jump on this, solve the problem for themselves and get out from underneath this with, with as minimal loss as they can. Because if I keep holding on to cars, I may have a car that I can sell for 10 grand or 50 grand or a hundred grand today. That price could be 90 grand tomorrow on a hundred grand car. It could be 50 grand tomorrow on a hundred grand car. You could lose massive amounts of money. For those of you that are in the market and maybe bought cars at this extremely high price, don't be the guy that panics. If you like the car, keep the car, keep paying on it. Hey man, you lost, you, you bought in the wrong time. That stuff happens. No reason to panic and go try to sell your car and roll all over all this negative equity. We discussed that on Tuesday's podcast right now as a consumer, if you go to sell a car in a panic situation because you have a big loan on a car, you're going to get burned. And and banks know it. Some banks have halted auto loans. They're not even offering to, to put auto loans out on the market as a lender. And you have all of these different things that are going to happen. And the thing that you have to realize is those of us that just kind of stand idly by, that, that don't have to jump into the car market for, for whatever reason, just don't. Wait until this dust settles. Had a conversation with a customer of mine that I know has been burned on a, on a certain purchase. You got to be honest with yourself. You got burned. Do you want the car? Yeah, I want the car. Okay, man, there's nothing for you to do. You take the car now, you're going to lose $35,000. You keep the car. You allow this to normalize. You keep driving the car. You keep enjoying the car. This really doesn't affect you. So this is the... the if you decide to sell problem, if you sit tight, Hey man, maybe you paid what you shouldn't have paid. You learn your lesson. You keep the car, you do what you got to do. You don't think too much about it. Things are kind of what they are, but panicking the way that I've had some phone calls with some people is not an option unless you want to get burned. I'm telling you the bottom is falling out. We've been talking about it on this podcast all year. The bottom is going to fall out. So you're going to see bottoms fall out of those mid-level collectibles. Uh, you're going to see the bottom fall out of, 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 of muscle cars immediately. I've been warning everybody in my life that, that I do consulting with. Muscle cars are going to take a massive hit because, I mean, some of those got up into the six figures, which is laughable, uh, especially if they're not uh, sellable, uh, you know, or excuse me, not collectibles. They're just, they got run up on price. The... The thing is now you can only get burned if you allow yourself to get burned, okay? Don't go make some drastic decision if you don't have to or aren't forced to. And so, again, we're going to see a lot of guys in the truck market. That that market got entirely too inflated uh, comparative to what those trucks are going to be worth. Plus, you had Ford and Chevy and these guys sitting on millions of cars and inventory waiting on chips. So new car prices are going to come down and already have used car prices are going to get hammered. Here's the great thing. If you want a deal, wait it out. Let the bottom completely fall out. If you're in the market for something, if you're a detailer, you've been looking for a van, you've been looking for a truck, you've been looking for something for your business. You may turn your head six months from now and be able to buy a van for hardly any money. Maybe that happens. I believe it's going to happen in, in, in almost every part of the market, but just take a deep breath and wait, or, wait it out. 
you know, I, I I've had a lot of phone calls because news is starting to break about how bad it is. I got to tell you, man, just sit tight. I want to finish today's episode. Number one, I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you for a great year. Thank you for everything you guys do. But I want to, I want to try to be in the giving spirit here and give away the best piece of business advice that I've ever received that I think changed my life. It changed everything about my life. And that is my bad, my fault. It's on me. There's not a single thing that happens in my business or personal life that I don't take blame for today. And that wasn't the case. 10 years ago. If I have an employee make a mistake on a car and a customer calls yelling, let me tell you exactly what I say. That's my fault. I'll get it handled. I apologize. The power of taking the blame in those situations are you go fix the problem. The customer, reasonable people understand that humans make mistakes. You've handled the problem for him or her. And now you're a problem solver for them. They know mistakes are going to happen if they're a reasonable human being. But how many times have we picked up that phone and argued with a customer? I know I've done it in my history. I know many of you have done it. And I want you to think about how many times that ends well. How many times does that create loyalty from that customer? How many times uh, do you make more money on that person in the future? Or did it burn a bridge? 100 out of 100 times, a big argument burns a bridge. And I want to share some stories from the recent months in my life that made me think about this as a topic. At HyperClean, we had a vendor, or we have a vendor, who made a mistake. They sent us the wrong raw product. We needed it. It was thousands of dollars purchased. They made a mistake. They made a human error things were wrong. So we get on the phone and we say, Hey, you know, I want to let you know, you kind of shipped us this stuff. It's the wrong stuff. Can we please get this rectified? Nobody's mad. Nobody's angry. Nobody's yelling at them. And they immediately go into argument mode. Now folks, the product was wrong. We couldn't, we can't build it in anything that's sellable for us. It's just a mistake. They get argumentative, argumentative, argumentative. So we have to get off the phone, Marty and I, because it was getting that heated on his side. We weren't heated. We then get on a second phone call and there's still no solution. My bad, my fault. I take responsibility is a pretty damn powerful thing. When you own that everything in your business and your life is on you and no one else, no matter if you make the mistake or not, guess what we had to do? We had to smile and say, you know what? This is our fault. This is our mistake. We'd like to order the proper product and we need it expedited at our cost. So here's product that should have been, let's say $3,000 in expense that ended up being about $7,000 in expense. And folks, we didn't do anything wrong. The product, I mean, we, it was wrong. It was labeled wrong. It is wrong. It's not a product we use. It was a mistake. They didn't own up to it. It's okay. We owned up to it. This is our fault. Let's go ahead and get it ordered. We got to do business. I want you to think about something in this whole conversation. 
we just took a massive loss. But we end up getting the, the raw material we needed. We kept our business going. And now we can make a decision on the backside whether to do business with this vendor or not. So what this vendor doesn't understand, because he's not a my fault guy, he's not a take responsibility guy, is that he's cost himself six figures or more in business a year. So where did that attitude get him in the long run? We took responsibility, even though it wasn't our mistake, and we solved the problem for our company and got the product to us, no problem. No voices were raised. We're not mad about it. But now internally, when we discuss that company, we have to say what? They're unreliable. They're not people of their word. They're beyond, they think they're beyond making a mistake. That's a really tough place to do business. And so now, and this started immediately because this is how we operate. I can't put my business at risk of this type of behavior. We now go and search out two or three other vendors, his competitors, and we start up relationships and we take business from this guy that he should have had. Had he just said, hey, man, that's our fault. Let us get it back out to you. This conversation never happens. That's the power of taking responsibility. That's the, pro the, the, the power of going, you know what? My bad. Yeah, man, we screwed up. Let me get it fixed for you. That's incredible power in your life. But how many of us would rather be right than rich? And there is the terms that was the best advice in my career. You can either be right or you can be rich. You can't be both. This guy was so concerned about him being right that he lost a six-figure-a-year account. And it's lost forever because the changes we've made since this doesn't give him any avenue to come back into our business. He wanted to be right more than he wanted to be rich. All because he doesn't want to go and take responsibility for everything around him so we took the responsibility because that's what we do. We solved the problem. We kept our business going. And now, because of some of the changes we've made going away from him, we're going to be richer as a company. And rich doesn't always mean money. It's relationships. It's ease of doing business. And it's also money long term. But money is not the only thing you can be rich in. Let me remind everybody about my SEMA episode. We don't share this a lot of times, but we get a ton of feedback from people around the industry when we do an episode like that. I shared a bunch of CEO, VP, president levels opinions about what they saw in the detailing side of SEMA. Largely, most of that stuff wasn't my opinion. It was factual information from text and conversations that I had with people. As you can probably guess, there were a certain percentage of people that listened to that episode and understood that I was just recapping what was said to me. And then I gave a host of solutions of how we could help everybody have a better SEMA. I gave solutions. So about, I don't know, 50 to 60% of the people that I talked to and were told bad things about the episode and then went and listened, they go, hey, man, yeah, you, 
they were people that were at the show displaying at the show, had booths at the show. And they go, I don't know what everybody's talking about, man. How do you help us get this? Hey, man, can we do this? Yeah, we all need to work together. Those are my bad, my fault, take responsibility people. But you had this other 40% that thought this episode was, you shouldn't do it. That's not true. Well, it was all true. Anybody that was there knew it was true. But the 40% that don't want to get better, they don't take responsibility for what was going on at the booths, how we can make it better, how we can get to a solution. And that's the part of this. If an angry customer calls you bitching that you didn't clean her rim well enough, and you sit there and argue and argue and argue and argue, the longer it's going to take to come to a solution. If I pick up the phone, she says, hey, you didn't clean this rim. Great. I apologize, human error. I'm going to come take care of it. That's our fault. That's our bad. That's my bad. I'm going to get it handled. The solution is I'm going to get it handled. And so everybody is on the playing field of this is a person that gets stuff done. So when you think of that SEMA episode, all I said was let's not throw parties and dungeons off the strip when we can get really great restaurants and, and locations. Just call me. I'll put you in contact. I'll make the deal for you, whatever you need me to do. But there's no reason to handle a party in an embarrassing fashion. I'll help out. I'll provide the solution for you. Hey, we need some energy in that part of the hall. Maybe we need to talk to SEMA about putting up some music and doing. Guys, it wasn't rocket science. It was solutions. And the 60% that want to get better and take responsibility go, yeah, man, your episode was great. How do we do it? Let's get together. They're solution-based. The other 40%, they're mad because somebody told the truth to you listeners, and that's an exact quote. Yeah, that's what happened, but why do you got to tell people? Well, because that's our job here. I was at SEMA. We have a podcast. I think telling the truth is kind of the thing you should do. Instead of being our fault, our bad, let's get better, it was let me be pissed off that somebody brought up the truth. The other 60%, they're, they're like, yeah, hell yeah, man, let's do this thing. Which people do you want to be in business with? You want to be in business with those 60%. Let's talk about employees. I'm going to share a story. An employee of mine was accused of not cleaning any rims on a car. And I get this massively heated customer interaction on my phone. They didn't do anything, blah, 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 blah. My fault, my bad. I'll come clean the rims. Guy calms down immediately. Here's the best part of taking responsibility. He was calmed down. So when I got to his house, I analyzed what's going on. I went to clean the rims in front of him. Nothing was coming off. I said, hey, has something happened to these rims, sir? Uh, well, my wife curbed all the rims and I had them fixed and light bulb went off in my head. Okay, man. I'm going to let you know what happened here. Who'd you have refinish them? We have several companies here that are pretty consistent on doing this type of work. So I knew the two or three names I was going to hear. 
And I said, okay, well, you got to call them. They sprayed over a dirty rim. And I showed him with my finger. I said, this dirt is now under clear coat. The guy handed me a hundred bucks and goes, Hey man, this is on me. That's my fault. You guys didn't do anything wrong. I apologize. All started from me taking responsibility, not even asking, just saying, Hey, that's my fault. Let me come out there. I'll get it fixed. Wasn't our fault at all, but I took responsibility for it. And then when it wasn't our fault, good people make it right. He handed me a hundred dollar bill. I walked to my guys. I said, Hey, take this hundred and go have lunch on me. Taking responsibility will change everything in your life. Taking 100% responsibility for everything that goes on in your business and your life will be the game changer. And it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. You guys are hearing this. You're going to be like, oh, I do that. No, 100% of the time is really tough because you're taking the blame for everything, even when you know you didn't do something wrong. And by doing that, you get to be the solution guy. You get to be the guy that comes up with the solutions in your life. And, and now when that becomes the way you do business and the way you operate your personal life, here's the greatest thing. You're looked at as what? The solution person. Not the person that makes mistakes, but the person that gets to the solution the fastest. All of us can go into a detailing group and see a bunch of people trying to be right. Oh, I polish this way, or I clean this way, or I use this, and I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. How many of you think those guys are rich? Because you can't be right and rich at the same time. You got to choose one. Your employee makes a mistake, a, gen a, a genuine mistake. You get a call from a customer that a car has been damaged. What are you going to do? Are you going to take responsibility and say, this is my fault? Or are you going to start blaming the, the employee? Are you going to start saying, how can I get mine out of the employee? The employee needs to do this. The employee needs to do that. Let me give you a different way of handling it. And this is going to be the hardest thing you probably do in your business. That's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's your fault. You can probably look at, did I train them enough? Am I on quality control enough? Did I put them in a situation to win or to lose? What could I have done to prevent this? Not what they could have done to prevent it. Because damage is going to happen. They're human. Now I can look back and go, I made that mistake a lot early in my business. I would always get really, really angry. And I've shared that the, the, the hardest thing I've worked for in my life is to get rid of my temper. And I would yell and I would get so mad and so angry at a mistake somebody made and they're human. When I started to say, that's my fault, the damage happened. I started to look at our processes, our procedures, the things we're doing. And all of a sudden I realized it really was my fault. Largely most damage that happens is because you put somebody in a position through the lack of training, through their lack of understanding, 
from, from you not being clear enough in directions, whatever it may be, when you really analyze it from it's my fault, your business is going to be better off long-term. And you know what happens when you start taking the blame with every one of your customers personally, and you say, Hey, I, I did it. I did it. I made a mistake. Not my guys, my fault, my fault. Your guys become more loyal because they know you're not going to throw them under the bus. And you have to genuinely believe it's your fault to make this work. My bad goes a long way with customers, with team members, with vendors. Relation, if you want to be rich in relationships in your business, you better be the it's my fault guy. My bad. Yeah, I'll get it handled. Yep. My bad. Let's uh, solve it this way. Yep. I made a mistake. I don't care if your guys made a mistake. It's your fault. It's your company. It's your fault. Now you got to analyze how that person could have made that mistake. This is the hardest thing you're ever going to do in business. It's the hardest thing you're ever going to do in personal life. If you're out of shape, it's not because you had a kid. It's not because your life is busy. It's because you didn't stay in shape. That's a tough thing to hear. Everything being your fault. And the greatest thing about it, my last five to six years in business, I've had more loyal team members. I've had a happier life. I've had a happier business. And we don't get into the finger pointing game. I don't do that in any part of my life. Marty and I don't do that at HyperClean. I don't point the finger at anybody. And let me share a story we had happen to end this. We had a customer that many of you would consider to be a bad customer. And the way he talked to staff and the way he DM'd and the way he emailed and his demanding nature, he's a bad customer. So we had a conversation about it. We shared some things on, on here and this guy gets all been out of shape and he has every right to feel however he wants to feel. But what we did was we provided a solution of how we can all be better customers. I can be a better customer. You can be, we can all be better customers. We shared that on the podcast and instead of learning from it, he got offended by it, which he has every right to do, but it shows you that he's not a my bad, my fault, I made a mistake, let me learn from it, guy. It's always everybody else's mistake. 100% of the time, he never makes a mistake. This guy's been in the business 10 or 15 years by his account. He has no great vendor relationships. He has no employees. He has nobody looking after him in this business because he never takes the blame. I always take the blame. So when we had this situation with this customer, here's the interesting thing. We never got mad or blamed him. We started talking about how do we end up in this bad situation? It, can we allow people to contact us this way, this way, this way? How do we solve making it a, a better experience so he doesn't get so worked up? I still, to this day, don't blame him. I blame us. How did he get so worked up on all these channels he should have been funneled into a system that allowed us to answer him better, to be better at customer service, to be better as a company, 
because I got news for you. There's a lot of those guys out there and I don't want them to have a bad experience and I don't want them to get mad, but largely people can get mad if we don't fix the system with which they talk to us. My bad, my fault, the company goes into fix it mode. How do we solve this problem? But yeah, he was an unreasonable customer. It's going to happen. Now I got to figure out how to make it win-win for him and win-win for us. Right? So forget blaming him. Forget being mad at him. Forget yelling and screaming about him. My bad. My fault. How do we solve this from happening? We're all far from perfect, man. I, I make so many mistakes on a daily basis, it blows my mind. But if I'm willing to fix them and say my fault at every turn, every single turn, your life and your business will be in a place five years from now you'll never believe. But you can't ever break from my bad, let's come to a solution. And you're going to say my bad on a lot of things that aren't your fault. That means even things that aren't your fault, not just the things you make mistakes on. That takes a certain level of competence, but the real highest level of competence is to realize everything's your fault. Man, that was hard for me. That was the hardest thing I ever did, but it changed my business. It changed my life. It changed my personal relationships. It changed everything. And now today I have great vendor relationships across the board. And even when ones aren't what I want them to be, we'll go find people that will do business the way we want to do it because we're going to do what's right. When you stop the blame game is when everything changes. And we're all human. So the number one emotion when somebody accuses you of something is you want to get defensive and tell them why you're right. You can be right or you can be rich. And today, very different than 10 years ago for me, I would rather be rich than right. I don't care if people think I'm right. I don't care if I'm perceived as being the right person. I care about being rich with good employees and good team members, being rich in my bank account, being rich with good friendships, being rich with all of those things. And if you're always trying to be right, you're not going to be rich. And that's the greatest business advice I've ever gotten. But to get there, you got to take the blame for everything. And I think for a lot of us, that's going to be a big change because it was a huge change for me. Leading into Christmas, I wanted to give you guys a gift because that was given to me by a customer of mine. You can be right or you can be rich. Make your decision. There's a lot of people not making a lot of money, not having success in life because their their number one concern is telling everybody how they're right all the time. So I thought I'd share it. I thought I would elaborate on it. Be the my bad guy, my fault, and be the solution guy. You'll have more success than you ever, ever dreamed of. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.